relationships can be very hard. I'm not talking about just romantic relationships. Relationships of any kind, it's always been this way. When you, uh, when you look into the Bible and you see the, the very first people, Adam and Eve, and they, there, was, uh, there was sin, and, uh, and guess, guess what happened? The, Adam blamed his wife. <laughs> I mean, kind of seems like that's what's happened ev- ever since. Uh, men are always blaming women for everything. Uh, Cain and Abel, the first siblings, they had the first sibling rivalry. Actually, they took it pretty far in that Cain killed his brother Abel. Uh, pretty intense sibling rivalry. Uh, but then, uh, very, very quickly on, actually, Genesis chapter 6, uh, so right, at, right near the beginning, uh, God was fed up with people, and, and, uh, and he wiped, it, wiped the world clean with the flood. And just one family, Noah, Noah's ark, you know, and his kids and, and, uh, and their spouses. And, and anyway, um, you think, well, now it's going to be all better. And as soon as they, they get off the ark, uh, there's, there's, there wasn't, you couldn't even get past the first generation, his three sons, without a major issue between them. I'm not going to go through all the details of each of these, but uh, it's relationship issues. Abraham and Sarah, they had their issues uh, with each other, with Pharaoh, with her nephew Lot. They fought over land. Um, and uh, with uh, Hagar, uh, Sarah's uh, servant or slave. Jacob and Esau, brothers, they fought over, basically over money, over birthrights and inheritance is money. It's like, and this stuff, stuff hap- happens every week. This happens all the time. Jacob and Rachel. Um, Jacob was going to marry Rachel, and then, then uh, his future father-in-law tricked him, and he ended up marrying uh, Leah, the, uh, Rachel's little sis- older sister. But he still wanted to marry Rachel, and then there was this crazy love triangle going on. Um, Joseph and his brothers, they were jealous, and they sold him into slavery. I mean, all, and all these conflicts within the relationships in the Bible, first book of 66 books, Relationship, uh, relational problems have, have always been there. They're hard. The rest of the Bible's full of these kind of issues. But why? Why are relationships so hard? Author Will Bowen said uh, the, the popular phrase, hurt people hurt people. Meaning people who, who are hurt end up hurting other people, usually in the form of relationships. Uh, but it's a good thought, but we can't use it to justify our actions. Relationships are hard because in every single one of them, uh, both people or as many people are involved are sinful people. We all are, so it's tough. Not only big issues, but the small things too. I, I can go home and I can get frustrated that my house is messy, and I can talk to my wife about the house being messy, and then I can sit down and watch TV in a messy house instead of doing something about it. Uh, sometimes we just don't do the things that would be helpful. So we're going to look into the Bible this morning, Matthew chapter 7. And I want to answer a very simple question. I think last week we went really deep. We went, we went into an area that I think was uh, maybe touched, kind of spoke to the heart more, uh, maybe made us think a lot or feel a lot. This week, I, I feel like this is one of those, uh, we're going to read part of the Bible, and then you're going to be like, okay, here's how I'm going to apply this this week. Here's what I'm going to do with it right now. We're going to answer a question of, of how do we take action in our love toward, toward others? Or maybe a, an easier way to say it would be, how do we love better? How do we love those people better that we have a relationship with? And so Matthew chapter 7, I'm just going to jump right in, verse 7. It says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. 
and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Got to pause there for a second. If you've read this text before, you probably think, well, this is going to be a sermon on prayer. This, uh, this, what does this have to do with loving other people in our relationships? Well, if, if we're, gonna, we're not going to go into it much, but if you would uh, look into Matthew chapter 7, read the first six verses, it's about judging others. It's about having, uh, um, living life in relationships with others. And, and Jesus says, don't be so critical in, in judging others. I, I think there's this idea that, that it, it's hard for everyone. R- relationships are hard because life's hard. Because all of us have stuff going on on the outside, in our families, in, in, our, in our own minds. Life can be pretty challenging. And so you start, don't be so critical uh, of other people. And then we come to this part right after, and I don't think there's a break there. I know it looks like in your Bible there's a section here and then another section, but I think he's telling us, here is how you live in a relationship with other people. And, and so the first thing that we do is pray about your actions. It's hard to know how to handle, handle every situation. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the Bible, uh, you could just go to like page 2012, and, uh, and it says, uh, this is what you do if this happens, or this is what you do if this happens. Like, like if you're a kid, if a kid bullies you at school, according to the Bible on page 2012, it says that you should put a worm in their lunch. Don't really, I mean, wouldn't that be nice if it just gave us that example? Um, if the husband doesn't take out the trash, the wife opens up the Bible and it says, if, if he doesn't take out the trash, then make him sleep on the couch. You know, something like that. Like, then you could just say, hey, it's not me. This is what the Bible says. That would sure make things easy. It doesn't work that way. We don't have an answer for every specific situation, and there's a reason for that. And instead, God says, come to me. Come and ask me. Seek a relationship with me. Knock, meaning knock and the door will be open. If you ask, uh, we will build that relationship. It, it doesn't mean that we just ask and, and it's going to happen in a way that everything I want, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit as to why that doesn't happen. This is how we build a relationship with God. If we, didn't, if we didn't need that, if it was just open up this book, read what it says right here, now go do it, then we're robots. There's no relationship there. But God wants a relationship with us. So he says, hey, actually, I know life's going to be hard. I know you're going to be living through some things that are challenging. Come to me. Come and talk to me. So it is about prayer. But prayer with reason that maybe we've never really looked for. You see, then the relationship we have with, with God will help us in our relationships with others. Ask, seek, knock. Ask for what you need to give others what they need. Go to God for resources and, and wisdom and strength and trusting that he will provide as we serve him. The hope is that we get on the same page as God. The Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6.10, your will be done, referring to God, his will. Sometimes I think we do this backwards. We, we make a decision, and then we, we pray about it after, and we ask God to bless our, our decisions. It's backwards. It doesn't work that way. So he goes on, and, and I know, again, all these verses kind of seem like if you just read one thing, it wouldn't make a lot of sense, but there's so much in this. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The second thing we do is trust in God's response. There was a, a man out on the golf course one, one day, and, and he approached the first tee, and it was a, a par three with water all around it. Those, you know, those are the tough ones. And so he debated, and I've done this before too. He debated, uh, he had his new ball, and he was going to tee off with that, and then he thought, you know, I probably 
Yeah, I'm going to put that one in my pocket and get an old ball out of the bag because there's a good chance it's going to go into the water, right? If you've seen me golf, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, deciding that, that, that uh, so he did that. Well, fright, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I jumped ahead of myself here. Um, he, heard a, he went up and he went to hit the old ball and he heard a loud voice from above. And the voice said, uh, use the new ball. So a little frightened, he picked up the old one, put it back in his pocket, put the new ball on the tee. And then that voice again said, now, now take a practice swing. And so he went up and he, and he, and he took a, his practice swing. Looks just like that, real good. And uh, he's feeling pretty confident. And he went up to, to line up to hit the ball. And that voice again said, wait, better use the old ball. Because <laughs> the practice swing wasn't very good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when we ask God uh, something and he answers, then we have to trust his answer. That's the hard part. But what if I, what if I don't like it? or if I, I don't think it's best. It reminds me of another story I, I read about between a husband and wife. And I have to tell you, I read this, this, uh, this is another joke, and I read it for a service, and absolutely, maybe one person got it in the whole room. So I, should I just not even tell it? I should, what do you guys think? Do you want me to tell the joke or no? No? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's actually not that funny, obviously. But anyway, a couple was texting, texting each other, so texting conversation on a cold winter day. And the wife just texted, windows frozen. And so the husband texted back, pour some water on it. Pour some warm water on it. And then the wife texted back, computer completely messed up now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The people in first service, for a certain reason, maybe didn't know what the Windows software system was. Anyway, like the advice from the husband, God doesn't work that way with us. Um, that's what this text is about here. The small hand-sized loaves of bread at the time, they resembled stones in size and, and, uh, and shape and color. And then there were these eel-shaped fish that could have looked like snakes, but they were unclean and could not be eaten. And so what he's saying is normally, you know, it's pretty obvious, parents don't int- intentionally deceive their children in harmful or, or unpleasant ways. Um, and, and so that's what it's, he's saying is God doesn't do that either. But what if we're praying for stones and snakes? What if we're asking God to do something in our lives or to bless us in some way that it's actually not good for us? Then he's not going to answer in the way we would want. That doesn't make sense. What if we're praying something that that hurts our relationships with others or just is is bad? We think it's good the way we say it, the way our, our heart, but it's not good. The Greeks had their stories about gods who answered prayers. Aurora was the goddess of the dawn, and she fell in love with a mortal youth, a person. And so, so the Greek story went. Zeus, the king, offered her any kind of gift that she might choose for her, for her mortal lover. And Aurora, very naturally, then chose that he might live forever. But she had forgotten to ask that he might remain young forever, and so he grew older and older and could never die. The gift became a curse. That's, that's not how God works. We, we ask for something but he's going to answer our prayers in his ways, always. We can't expect just to ask for what we want and we get it. It doesn't work that way, and it'd be dangerous if it did work that way. We have to trust that God will not intentionally harm us in, in any way. We might wonder then, well, why didn't, he, why, didn't he, uh, uh, why didn't we get the response we wanted when we prayed for this? Why didn't he step in when I sincerely asked? Why, why didn't he help the person that I loved? Why isn't he helping me now even though things might be really, really bad? Why isn't God doing the things that I want him to do? not our decision. We don't get to know, maybe. We don't, we don't get to know a lot of things. 
He's God and we're not. He doesn't, he's not accountable to us. We ask a lot of these hard questions like, well, you know, with, with God, why does this happen? Or why, uh, with those people over there and they don't hear this. And, and God is God. We have to trust him. Has he, has he proven faithful or not? And, and I believe he has. I believe when we look to the cross, him sending his son to die for us, the only thing that we couldn't do was save ourselves. We can do a lot of stuff. We, people, people uh, individuals and groups have done some pretty big things on this, on this earth. We could never save ourselves, and he was willing to do that. We celebrated Easter last week. We know God's loving, but he's also powerful. This is how we know when we pray to him that he will have our best interest in mind, that he's not going to do, he's not going to give us a snake or a stone. He's not going to do something bad in our lives. Bad things happen, but we have to continue to stay close to him. So we trust his answer. Then what? So verse 12, it's one of those, um, I'll just read it first. It, it says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is one of those verses, you know, when you read a story in the Bible, and maybe it's, uh, it's 10 verses, and you read the first eight verses, and you're like, okay, that's a really good story. And then there's a verse or two at the end. It's like, well, how does this really what is you know what does this uh, have to do with the rest of it? It's kind of one of those like a closing remark or a filler or something. That's kind of how I felt on this. What does verse twelve have to do with the rest of the story? Well, he's telling us to take action first of all. It was commonly said uh, by by many different groups: the Buddhists, the Stoics, the Greeks, the Romans, the Jews. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Very simple statement. Jesus made it a positive worded, uh, worded statement. It's a lot harder. It, it, it's now do unto others what you want done to you. Very different. Instead of just, well, I'm going to mind my own business and stay back and, and not bother anyone. I'm not going to hurt anyone. No, now, now he's saying, actually, if you see a need, you, have, you need to meet that. If you, if you see someone hurting, you should probably talk to them. You should probably do something about it. Take action little by little. It makes us feel good, though, when we, when we say, oh, I feel bad for those kids or I feel bad for that, that group of people. And then we do nothing about it. it, just, it just, we just feel good by saying, I feel bad, because that's what humans are supposed to do. But what if we did nothing? What if we prayed about it even? But then it got a little difficult, so we just quit. It's not the example we saw in Jesus. If Jesus were to look down on us and he said, oh, the poor people, they're all going to hell, and then just did nothing, that would mean absolutely nothing to us. Jesus gave us an example to pray and to trust and to do. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's not that it's just not helpful. It's, it's sin. How important is it really, though? I have other things going on in life. You know, we all do. We have other things to worry about. This is how important it is. So uh, that verse 12, that second part, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Again, that's that, why is that even there? Where have we seen that before? In Matthew 22, 36, teacher, uh, a, a man was asking Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So of everything that's, that's in, the, in the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, anything that they know or they hear as, this is what you're supposed to do. What's the most important thing? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So number one and two on the list, love God, love people. Verse 40, though, right after, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything that was spoken in the law and all the prophets in the Old Testament, everything up to this point, Jesus says, 
everything is love God and love people. Everything that was ever recorded in the Bible, uh, he's telling the religious leaders, these people who they read the Bible, they knew, they, they knew this thing, they, they knew the scriptures. Um, they, it was more important than anything. They even missed Jesus in it. They just, this is all that matters, that, that Bible being the owner's manual of going to this page and do it. That's all that mattered to them. And he says, it all comes down to these two statements, love God and love people. And so Jesus took care of the hard part. Hard part was saving us. Only he could do it, and he did it. And now he's telling us, and he's telling his followers in this story, okay, now you guys respond by doing what you can do. It's loving, loving other people. Relationships are hard, but we can't have it any other way. We could avoid talking to people altogether. That, that would be nice at times, um, but that's not what we were designed for. We, we may want to avoid people, but, but it's not what we need. If we take ourselves away from people, we miss every opportunity to become more like Christ and to help others to become more like Christ. We're wasting our lives. Relationships can be uncomfortable. I get it. We all need to help people who are, who are close to us and people who aren't close to us. And Jesus showed us, how to, here's how you do it. It's not a very specific in every situation, but it is the steps that we take. It's the model. See, before Jesus died, in Matthew chapter 26, here's what he did. This is the same model that he's giving us. Going a little farther, he fell, to, uh, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He was, he was going to face the cross, to die on the cross for our sins, and he said, God, if there's any other way. Verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Verse 44, so he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. This is our model. He prayed, he trusted the Father, even to the point of death, and he took action. This is, this is our response uh, to, this, to this scripture and to the example of Jesus. We pray for God to guide us. God, what am I supposed to do in this situation? How do I handle this? How do I deal with this? We trust what he says to us. Maybe he doesn't speak uh, audibly to us. I don't, I don't know if he does to you or not. But in some way, he will guide us if we're continuing to ask. Now this ask, seek, knock, it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's asking and seeking and knocking, continuously going back to him over and over. You might, you might have been praying for something for two or three years, and you're thinking, when's he going to answer this? It's just not time yet. Keep going back to him. And then once you know what you're supposed to do, once he reveals to you, Take the next step. Take action. We do it. Let's pray. Father, you have given us everything we need. It, sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Uh, sometimes our relationships are, are so challenging. Um, we want things to be different. We want control in certain ways. Uh, we, want, we want life to be different. Um, but I pray that these are the things that would lead us back to you, uh, that as we want your guidance, uh, that we, as we want uh, encouragement, as we want uh, a way uh, to, do, to do something, to live life, I pray that our relationship would grow closer to you because even as the, the second greatest commandment is to love others, the first is to love you. And so I pray that our love would grow, um, uh, that our love uh, towards you would grow as we know that your love towards us is perfect. And so I pray for this morning, I pray for all of us as we leave here, and that we would grow closer to you so that we could love others. We thank you for Jesus. That's his name we pray.
Amen.